Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac, Jack, and Jim This Week in Sports Show as we start off your Sunday, changing the format a little bit from the uh, uh, the show of the NFL big show, the big football show, because, of course, the NFL season is over. No worry, folks, we'll be covering the NFL as the news breaks, and the NFL, of course, is always in the news, so we'll be having plenty of stories for you about the NFL, but... What we do on this week in sports, as we did last year, is we cover the big stories of the week and any updates to those stories. I'm your host, Mac. Uh, Jack right now is taking care of some personal or emergency business. He'll be on in a, in a little bit. But I have the legend with me today, the legendary Dallas Cowboy, two-time Super Bowl champion, Jim Jeffcoat. So, Jim, we're going to go over some of the biggest Biggest stories in sports, we'll have our guest in today, which would be Keith Angle, Robert Butler, and the Philly sports guy covering the stories with us, and we'll ask their opinions mm-hmm. and their outlooks. So let's start Let's start with one of the stories uh, from this week, where the NFL, the Combine, of course, that'll be starting this, this early this month, the, the Combine and the Pro Days. Yes. They were, they were going to require – the athletes to almost bubble where they were only going to have one medical personnel with them. They were all going to have to stay in the same place and they were going to limit their travel. But the agents countered and said, guess what? We ain't doing that. Our athletes aren't doing that. And if you, if this is a requirement, expect about a hundred athletes to boycott it. The NFL changed its mind really quick. And now they got freedom of movement. Now, Jim, you were in a, you were down in 1983 when you were, drafted in the first round by the Cowboys. You participated in the Combine. It was a lot different back then, though, right? It was it was held in different places. It was yes. different. You had to move around. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about what it was like in 1983 when you were coming in and going through a Combine? Well, I, like you said, we were in a situation where we had to go to three places. Uh, we had to go to Seattle. We had to go to uh, Detroit and New Orleans. And it was a lot of travel. And if you wanted to graduate, I mean, they kept you, they didn't have any thought about you going to school. They had you on the road going to their combines and stuff. And the New York Jets would request that you come up there and uh, take a physical after the physical of the combine. So to be honest with you, I went to New Orleans, I went to Seattle, and I said, forget this. I'm not going to Detroit. <laughs> I'm not. I just I mean, because it was ridiculous. But the situation is you're like cattle. I mean, they do everything. They have all the shots. They look at your teeth. I mean, and they take pictures of all this. And you're in a you're in a, like an incubator, like you said. But I mean, some of these guys today is different because they have trainers. They have uh, people that come and help them get prepared for it because they're preparing as soon as the season's over, they're preparing for this. And then a lot of times, which is interesting, after you've done all these things at the combine, they come to your school and then you got to do all these things again. I never understood that. I mean, the testing, why don't you just stay at your school? And that's what the agents were saying. If you want to do it this way, we're going to say it. We'll just test at the school. We don't have anything to hide, but, I mean, some of these kids get massages, they get uh, medical treatment by their own people. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's just the reality of it. And it's an interesting thing that 
thing has changed so much because I don't know how good the Kanban is because if it's like taking a test, if you're good at taking tests, then obviously you can pass this test because you've been training for it. But if you're not good at taking tests, um, it can make a difference in your um, draft, where you're drafted at. You know, Joe, I, I, there's a couple things I don't understand about the combine. First of all, not wearing pads, right? You, you don't, you're not wearing pads, so it's it's plain. Uh, you know, some people don't even wear shirts. But I mean, you're you're running at your fastest speed without equipment on. You're going through drills without equipment on. You're lifting weights, of course, that you wouldn't want equipment on for that. But how do you judge the football speed? I mean, you know, I, you can get a guy that can run a 4-3 and can run straight. But in pads, is a lot different running that 4-3. And, and, and the, the drills themselves, I mean, I understand you want to see what the guy's got. But it's practice. And there's players that are really good in practice that aren't so good in games. So, I mean, how, in your opinion, and this is what I'm getting at, is the combine a little bit overrated? Jack thinks it is. I think it might be because some people can play football and they ain't the greatest athletes in the world. And some just can't play football at that level. Yeah. Here's the thing that I think about when you, you make a great point. Probably the two best interior linemen that I've seen are Aaron Donald, and Randy White, and both of them don't meet the size of of uh, professional football players. I mean, Aaron Donald was undersized. I know he could run really well. Same with Randy. They tried to make him a, a inside linebacker, a middle linebacker, and they probably they. I know Aaron Donald was a high pick, but he everybody was questioning his height. Can he handle that? And saying. And the same thing with Randy, can he play on the defensive line? And the thing I think is, just like you said, I think it is overrated because football players are football players. You either can play or you can't. It's about making plays. It's not about who ran a 4-3. There's a lot of guys um, that we know that can't play football that can run fast or change direction. That's what I like to see. Can they change direction? Can they use their hands? Can they get leverage on people? I mean, they, it's not a perfect science to it. All it is is telling you who's the best athletes to me at the yeah. combine. Those guys don't make it in the NFL. And am I and am I correct, Jim? There's no contact at all, really. I mean, there's the drills themselves. Is there contact with dummies? Is there contact? Yes, with, there is. So they're going to look at your form. Uh, yes, your basic form. Now this concludes, or I shouldn't say concludes, because you got pro days as you just mentioned. Year a year of scouting. I mean, I know that the scouts go out there, they're reviewing tape, they're talking to teams, they're watching live games, they're following certain people. So, is the com combine just a sign off on that, or is it something they missed after a whole year of of, of uh, maybe a couple of years of scouting somebody? Well, the thing I think um, the combine is you got to trust your scouts because they see these people. They're on the road constantly uh, scouting these people. And if you have a good scouting department, the combine is kind of just really you're going out there to see them in person. You're seeing what they look like, seeing what their sizes are. But that's all it is. But you'll go back and you put everybody on the board. And you. the interesting thing is when you get on that board, 
you talk about each player and you have notes on them and you put them on there, his pluses, his minuses, uh, what do you think he has to do to improve, what can't, what has he proved on over the period of his uh, career in college, these things. So these things you all know before you even really you talk about it, but before you even get to the combine, I mean, yeah. then after the combine, you rate them again. And then you you see what you saw. So these right. things are all a part of it. It's um, The scouting is so important. And if you can't trust your scouts, then you're going to struggle. And, folks, Jim's perfect for this because not only did he participate in it, but he was also on the coaching staff with Bill Parcells while they were drafting. So he knows a lot of the ins and outs about that. Uh, real, real quick, we're going to turn to the NBA before we pop Keith in here. Uh, the Hall of Fame finals were, were revealed. Manute Bull, uh, Michael Cooper, Tim Hardaway, Marquez Johnson, Coach Carl. Uh, Carl um, and, of course, these are all the professional aspects. All good all good players and picks, I think. Um, NCA coach Bob Huggins, women's finalist Sulin Cash, Lindsay Whalen, and coaches Mariana Staley and Letta Andrews. So, those are the finals for the Hall of Fame. We'll see who who gets inducted and who does it. But backstage right now, folks, we got Keith Angle from Sportsville, Sports from TGI Sports Talk. Sorry, Keith. Well, maybe you could do that, too. Or maybe you should do that once a week, too, just to bother Robert. I don't know. You could do that. Yeah, the world traveling Keith Angles. Yeah, the world traveling Keith Angle is correct. He was on vacation all over the world at least twice a year. So let's bring up Keith. And see what's going on over there. Hey guys, what's going Good morning, on? Good morning, Keith. How you doing, Mac and Jim? How are you? Listen, I was traveling uh, the the Caribbean looking for that palatial estate that Jack has down there, and I. Oh. <laughs> you know who's who is that movie producer? Marlon Brando, right? You could never find Marlon Brando. He has his island somewhere. I think that's where Jack's at right now <laughs> when he goes down. There's rumors that he is. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. So, so anyway, speaking of Jack, he'll be in a few. They're the same age. If Marlon Brando was alive, wouldn't they be the same age, roughly? I, I don't know. I think so. I, I think Jack might be uh, in better shape than Marlon. Marlon, <laughs> Marlon was a good-looking man when he was younger, but he kind of went to hell. Uh, yeah, Jack, he did. Jack is still thin, trim, and ready to rock. So um, so let's, let's start off, Keith, this week in sports to me. Uh, you know, Keith is on TGI Sports, the college huddle, a great college show. He's covering basketball now. So he's all into the basketball part of this. And I, I love to tap into his brain about these things. So, of course, we have the madness coming up. You got Selection Sunday coming up. But one of the biggest stories of the week was when the head coach of Michigan, Juan Howard, actually struck an assistant coach from Wisconsin, John Cravenhoff after Howard was upset because the coach of Wisconsin, Greg Guard, decided he wanted to call a timeout with his subs in to handle what he thought was a Michigan press. Yeah. Now, Juan Howard got very upset about this. I don't know why, but, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I guess he thought they were trying to rub it in. I, I don't know. You should be able to look at the situation and see he has subs in there. Guard thought it was a time for to teach his subs something. And Howard got upset. The assistant coach steps in to, I guess, uh, you know, 
say something to him about being so upset, and Howard slapped him one, reached over. Yeah. So, Keith, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, this is a coach of a team. He could do whatever he wants. He could run up the score. He could call timeouts with one second. He can do what he wants. It's his team. Who cares? Stop him. I agree. And it, we've talked about these types of things before, right? And uh, it's not my job to stop you. And in that situation, to be honest with you, Juwan Howard didn't stop coaching. They were pressing up and down the court. So, and Greg Gard, as you said, it wasn't like he had his starters in there. He had his second and third teamers in there. And he called timeout to get the ball uh, to avoid an eight-second violation. So what? It's not a big deal. Now, that's the, that what started the whole thing. Now, I'm not going to lay this all on Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard is absolutely wrong to take a swing and, and almost incite a riot. You know, these are still young guys. You're the leader of these young guys. You can't set that kind of example. But I'm also not going to give Greg Gard a pass because in that handshake line, Juwan Howard said, I'll remember this. And he obviously didn't want to shake his hand. Greg Gard could have just walked past him. But he did. He put his hands on him not once, but twice. There you go. And Jawan Howard said, get your hands off me. And a little, <laughs> a little more emphatically than that, but he didn't do it. And that's, and again, I'm not excusing Jawan Howard's behavior and, and taking a swing. You can't do that. But Greg Gard's not blameless in this. And the stuff on the court hadn't, should have had nothing to do with it. It's all what happened after the game. And Greg Gard could have avoided this whole thing just by walking past Jawan Howard. And we wouldn't have had none of that. So it's not, it may not be a popular take, but that's the take that I've had. I did a vlog on it Friday. And, um, you know, that's just how I stand. You've got to be a better leader of young men than that. All right, so, he's done this in a year. All right. So, so, he, so he, puts, he puts his hands on. He wants to explain what he was trying to do. Howard don't want to hear it. He says, yep. get away from me. So Card leaves him. He goes, right? Eventually he goes. It wasn't that long. But when – you actually reach over the top of somebody and strike somebody. That's taking it to a different level, Keith. No, definitely. I'm not. Well, nobody's, uh, nobody's disputing that. But yeah. like Keith said, uh, we knew that it was an intense situation. And I'm not saying Jerron Howard was right. But the other coach was wrong, too, because he should have just let it hang, let it go. You won the game. And walk by, but when he put his hands on Jawan Howard, that makes it different. Jawan Howard should have never punched that other coach or yeah. him. Nobody's Great saying guy. that's he's but still, just like Keith said, they just made this situation worse. He did. He he did. It's just like uh Jimmy Johnson said, if you don't, if you don't want people to score on you, take a knee. Yeah. That was it. I mean, but that's the truth, and yeah. that's and, what it is. And, folks, as you see, Jack, the historian, has joined us down in the bottom left. He's got his NFL, it looks like NFL shirt on. I mean, I'm away a few minutes, and you guys abandon the NFL. I mean, it proves to me <laughs> if you only have me on the show for my football expertise. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. So, Jack, every, every year I do this. Uh, I, when I change formats, Jackson, so we're not talking about the NFL. It's it's just something that goes on and on and on, guys. So anyway, <laughs> it does. So, so that that was interesting to me, Keith, and that's good. I, I, that's, a, that's a perspective. Listen, I think the five game suspension of of Howard was 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 right. 
Um, Jack thought maybe the assistant and, and even guard might should have deser- deserved part of suspension. I agree with that too. Yeah. So, yeah. so Jack agrees with everything you're saying there. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think if the guy's trying to explain something and he may put his hands on you to stop you from right. walking away, he's not, he's not physically trying to restrain you. He's saying, listen, let me tell you what I was doing. And he was trying to explain himself. To me, that's a little different than reaching over and actually smacking somebody. Well, uh, I agree, but he doesn't have to do it in the heat of the moment either. He could have waited till cooler heads prevailed, and he, then he could have explained himself, right? True. And true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I, I'll, I'll go along with that. So, I, do you think you think that? Let me let me ask you this, Juan Howard. Do you think he he needs anger management because he's had he's had an incident like this in the past? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, whether he needs anger management, I don't know. I don't know him that well. I don't deal with him day to day, obviously. But he's had a couple of instances similar to this, and 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 he's got to. Uh, and maybe it comes in. Maybe Jim can speak to this uh, much better than I can. But maybe it comes from the fact that he was a player and he was an elite player, and he's used to having his emotions uh, that high, uh, and that probably comes into it. And he's and he probably needs somebody to help him manage that part of his personality a little bit. But um, again, I, I think that's part of it. I think it comes from being a player and, and having that type of, and still approaching the game the same way as he did as a player. And that's, you hit it right on the nail, Keith. As a player, it's in your mind, you think everything is competition. You don't look at it. Sometimes you don't reason because it's a lot of force. You have to push the other guy to win. And when you think, and it's so competitive as a, in coaching too, but as a player, sometimes you get in there and your emotions take over. And I think that's what happens with Juwan Howard and a lot of former players that become coaches. Yeah, You can't differentiate from being a coach and a player because they depended on themselves to, um, to get things done. But as a coach, you got to depend on your players and make sure that you put them in the best situations and um, help them achieve the things that you achieve. And it's a little, it's difficult. It's difficult to uh, find that fine line between being a coach and a player. And Jawan Howard is still searching for that. Well, Jawan Howard was offended because Wisconsin had a 15-point lead with 15 seconds to go and the game was over. My philosophy is every second on that court during competition is a learning experience for your backups. For those Great. backups, those 15 seconds meant something. They don't see the court that much. And he wants to give them, the coach, Greg God, his full attention, that they're doing things the right way, that they should feel important. He can't just fluff it off, just run on the court, get the game over with. That's not what a coach is about. Every moment is a learning experience. You know this, Jim. Through football, if your team has a 48 to 7 lead with a minute and 32 to go, the coaches are still coaching, coaching the players. I mean, it means something to the backups on the field. Yeah. Um, I would say yes and no, Jack, because I've been with coaches as a player and coach in that situation. They're gonna look at the timeouts. How many timeouts do the other team? If the team has no timeouts, they're gonna kneel. If the team has timeouts, then they're not going to kneel because they don't want to obviously to give them another chance um, there. And a lot of times coaches kind of got a gentleman agreement that if you're a 48 to seven, like you said, uh, they will basically 
stop. They won't call any timeouts and get the game over because obviously there's no way to win. You guys make great points. It's just, it's going to, uh, Juwan Howard did wrong and he's paying the price now for his team. Yeah. But I think that the other coach, uh, Greg, is it Garza? Garber? Greg Gard. Greg Gard. Yeah. Gard should have been fine more because he should know better to initiate this kind of thing. And I'm not saying anything that happened on the court. It's after the game we need to talk about. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, so, so just to follow up on that, Patrick Ewan came out and said after that that he, yeah. he, he doesn't think they should have congratulation lines and stuff like this because of the heat of the battle. And here's one guy. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Patrick Ewan fan. I loved watching him play as a center. Uh, you know, as a coach, he's, he hasn't done too well. He did a he did a, a, an amazing job last year just getting them into the playoffs. Nobody thought that they would be in March Madness or win the division. They did. So something happened there. But for the most part, coaching is not his thing. And Patrick Ewan said, well, in the heat of battle, he probably shouldn't be doing this anyway after the game. He's not, he's not for it. And I totally disagree with that. It's a show of respect. It's yeah, a show I agree. Of, of whatever. Even boxers who beat the hell out of each other for 12 rounds will come and at least shake hands, sometimes even hug after they're done beating each other up. So to me, that's just ridiculous what he said there. I, I'm more inclined to listen to Tom Izzo in this, Izzo in this uh, regard, who says it's ridiculous to consider getting rid of the handshake line. And, you know, Patrick Ewing, I think I said this to you Friday, and I'm sure I said it in my blog that, First of all, he ought to be con concerned with winning some games more than the handshake lines. He probably doesn't want to go through the handshake lines because he's only won three or four games all year and not one in the Big East. So that probably plays into his opinion a little. Guys, if Patrick Ewing wasn't an iconic Georgetown Hoya, would he be fighting at the end of the season? Would he have been gone? Does he have his job because of his status being the greatest player in Georgetown history? Well, he may keep his job because of that, uh, but he had made some strides last year. Don't forget they won the Big East tournament and 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 made the NCAA tournament. It looked like they were starting to turn the corner a little bit, but the the the, the programs regressed badly. Three of his top players left uh, after last season, and he hasn't shown the ability to to number one recruit the the top players, or when he does get good players, keep them in the program. So. Yes, another another coach would probably be in big trouble at Georgetown. He may get a pass because of he's got a long term extension, number one, and uh, he's he's Patrick Ewing. Let me ask you this question: uh, They don't have handshake lines. They have them in high school, uh, obviously in football, but they don't have them in the NFL. No, and there's a reasoning behind that because um, I remember an incident: uh, Tristan Hill from the Dallas Cowboys. They were going to shake hands. And I forgot which team it was, and he punched the guy. Mm. And that, but if you remember that, it always happened, and it was worse when uh, when teams didn't trade um, before free agency because teams were obviously together more often in football, and they were um, you had your teams and you had intense rivalries as we talked about, obviously with the Giants and the Cowboys. The, It'd be Jets and Buffalo, things like that, New England, and probably Miami, I would think, and things in New England and Buffalo. And they didn't have these things. They didn't have handshake lines. If you knew somebody from another team and you wanted to go over and congratulate, you would. But nine times out of ten, you didn't shake anybody's hand. You just went back to the locker room. 
Well, I you think know, they can't shake line as a takeoff of the NHL or hockey. That's where that we started. That was tradition. They don't have it in baseball at all, okay, after yeah. the game. Football, like you say, it's very loose. The guys know one another, and it's very informal. And basketball, basically the same way. for In the NBA, it's kind of informal. But now they've started adapting it, you know? So. Yeah, and I'm just – no, I don't, I don't have a problem with the – Handshake, yeah. There, there's, but the, you, you talk a pro, you talk a pro compared to college too, where you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, we didn't shake hands in college. I well, mean, Jim, I, I, don't think, I, don't think, I don't think you even shook your own players' hands when you played. You were just I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if we uh, really did. But, uh, <laughs> but my door. So hey, don't forget you're going to be get together with him in June. Be careful there. How do you shake Bill Romanowski's hand after a game? I don't understand it. Uh, he might I spit did, on you. <laughs> I did. I did avoid. I did avoid that. Jim. Jim knows the score when we get together. Believe me. Uh, Keith, with the uh, we know Jack will be at on the bottom of that pile anyway. Yeah, sure. yeah, see yeah, see <laughs> so, Keith, one more question, one more subject to cover before we get on to Robert. Um, of course, Kemba Walker uh, shut it down for the season for the Knicks. Uh, it was a big. Uh, it was thought to be a big free agent signing for the for the Knicks. Um, they offered to buy out his contract. He wasn't interested. Um, yeah. So. So the Knicks get themselves in a position where they have a, a Fournier and a Kemba Walker. Sometimes they can make shots, but they play absolutely no defense at all. There's no chemistry. Um, Tibbs is Tibbs is kind of hearing some rumblings because he's not playing his younger players with the season over. Why why isn't he doing that? Is there anything any truth to the matter, or any truth to the rumblings that Tibbs's job may be on the line after? Well, I think there is some truth because I think the front office is going to want to co uh, cover up for their own shortcomings. And if somebody's going to be a scapegoat, they want it to be Tibbs and not themselves. I mean, Leon Rose is the guy to blame for this mess in my mind, as we've talked about before. He had a, he had something working yesterday and he, or last year, and he totally – the only good move I can see that Leon Rose has made was hiring Coach Tibbs in the first place and changing the culture of that team. Other than that, he's messed up the culture and the chemistry that was built last year, and they've gone, you know, not just a two-step uh, step back, but probably about five steps back this year. Keith, I love you and Mac, but I got to call you guys out on this. Early in the year, you said the Knicks were going to be around the fourth seed again. Uh, you're not so. contending, and they're nowhere close. They're about number 12 or 13 the last I, I looked. So, I mean, you can't blame the GM. The GM set the team up. The team's just not playing well. If you want to blame Coach Tibbs, I can understand that at least. But to blame the front office after the predictions that you and Mac made, I don't see it. Well, I'm not giving Tibbs a total pass. I don't think he should get fired, but I think it's possible uh, that, that Rose and the rest of the front office will look to cover their own butts. Uh, by getting Tibbs out of there. so And I did think this team was going to be better. Uh, you're right. I haven't backed away from that. And Tibbs is not coached well. But, again, it's become clear to me at that time, I also was not of the feeling I am now that I don't think Thibodeau was involved in a lot of these decisions, at least not enough when it comes to Kemba Walker and Fournier specifically. Um, and, 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 you know, you're, you're right to a point, Keith. You know, coaches have got to deal with what they're dealt. But I still yep. think, I still think, 
even I think he had to play Fournier and and and, and uh, you know Walker somewhat to satisfy the front office. There's no doubt know, about it. Sure. And you know, and I want to call Jack out for him predicting the Cleveland Browns would go to the Super Bowl this year too, since we're. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, so Keith, thank you for coming in. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll see you on Friday, everybody. Tune into TTI Sports Talk with Keith Angle as he does three shows a week, Sunday, Friday, with the uh, Mad New Yorker. Um, I think his name is Carlos something. And he has the college football huddle on Wednesdays. He's also on Roku, YouTube. He's all over the place. So people look for him. Keith, thanks for coming in. Have a great show, man. Good to be back with you guys. Uh, see you soon. Take care. Have a good day, Keith. So there you go. There's Keith Angle, TGI Sports, and right behind him, one of my favorite guests who comes in with us every week, every Sunday, the highly functional and sharply dressed Robert Butler from SportsCope. Let's bring him. Hey, morning, guys. Good morning, Robert. How are you doing today? I'm good. All right, Robert. So as you know, we changed our format. It's no longer the big football show, but you cover a lot of big things in sports, so it's almost a perfect setup for you to hear. And when when I go through the week in sports, I try to pick up the biggest, not not necessarily just the biggest, but the yeah. most interesting topics that I can that I can find. And I want to start off with you. We're going to talk a little bit more with this about Pags later. But the 76ers pick up James Harden in exchange with the Nets for Ben Simmons. And the reason I I want to get to this because it, it always blows my mind. People always talk about big three in basketball, and there's really – that's a myth. There is really not big threes, right? Even if you go back to the Lakers, it was Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That was the two guys that made that team yeah. go. James Worthy was kind of – Jack, 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 Jack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> two guys that made that team go were that. With the Celtics, it was Bird and McHale. Those were the two yeah. big stars. And as Jack says, you had, you know, you had Parrish, you had other guys. You had a really good pro player with them. I'm not saying you didn't. But there were two stars, really. You know, Shaq and Kobe, LeBron and Davis, Stockton and Malone. I, I got to go on and on and on. And you did have a good player that or, – or even an, a decent player behind them. I think the only team that I haven't seen do that was the Greek Freak, and he just has – very good players around, players around him, and there's not really a big two with him. So yeah. that big three is a myth. You can call it that if you want, but it's not. So that being said, will 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 the addition of James Harden with one of the best basketball players in the league and B, does that equal a championship this year for them guys? Well, I mean, I do like the fact that in his debut, he went seven for 12. So Harden is not shooting a lot of shots here. Uh, he's distributing, had double digit assists. Now that was against Minnesota. It was the first game. And, but I like the fact that he's playing that role as a distributor and not the Houston James Harden that we're talking about. He's a guy that's playing like a player that's bounced around the league. Uh, quite a few teams. So that is encouraging if you're Philadelphia 76ers fans. And, guys, you got to look at the injuries to Brooklyn, uh, Phoenix with Chris Paul out west, uh, the Lakers injuries. Uh, maybe Milwaukee could be the only team possibly in their way. So, yeah, they've got a puncher's chance to win this year. 
uh, I don't I don't see why not. If you ask yeah. me, I I think too. I think they're legitimate contenders this year, Robert. Oh, man. Uh, you want to say something on this? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not a uh, Embiid and Harden. Harden has some issues because he, Oklahoma, Houston, the Nets, there's a reason why people want to get rid of this guy. And he's an Arizona State guy usually, but there's something going on that's more in-depth than we know. But, um, yeah, he'll, he'll look to it and – they beat Minnesota. Who doesn't yeah. beat Minnesota? Right, <laughs> I mean, right. That's the, the Knicks, thing. The Knicks don't beat Minnesota. Jim, <laughs> Jim, he was with used the Houston Rockets a lot of years. Mm -hmm. He did put up with a lot of years of not winning a title. And you know, as an athlete, sometimes yeah. you snap when you don't win a title. You want to win it with the team you're with all the years. But finally, you can't take it anymore. You just have to get out. I understand that. That's basically what LeBron did, right? When he went to Miami yeah. and then he yeah, came back. When they had better salary cap, the salary cap helped him. But I just wonder, at some point, he's going to want to take over the game, Harden. And they're going to leave Embiid out. Embiid's going to be peed off. And they're just going to have an issue. I just think they're going to have an issue. I could be wrong on this uh, point. And I shoot. I've been a 76ers fan since I've been since Dr. J went there. <laughs> I mean, that's how far back I go with the 76ers. I just don't know if they have the right mixture to win a championship. Well, I'll tell you, I, I believe they do, Jim. I, I don't blame him for wanting to get out of the net. I don't blame him at all. That's that that's just a crazy situation over. Yeah, it is. With Kyrie he, he went there, he took a back seat to Kyle, Kyle Kyrie Irving. As the scorer, he became the, the point guard and did a mm -hmm. tremendous job. With, with mm -hmm. the, he was led the league in assists this this year before he left. Yeah. So I mean, he was playing hurt while Durant was sitting down and Kyrie was uh, somewhere for two weeks, wherever it was. So I mean, I I would be very frustrated if I was James Harden too. Mm -hmm. I yeah, my argument it. is it's just it doesn't feel like there's a lock this year. You know, I mean, I know Milwaukee's won last year and they're probably going to be the favorites. But it doesn't feel like a total lock. I mean, the Brooklyn's got the injuries. Uh, do you really trust Miami at this point in the East? Uh, I'm not. I, I can't really find a team that's really going to. Plus, you look at the coach in there. Their depth at, at uh, the Philadelphia. This may be the only year that they can do this. You know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look, if you look at it, the the Bulls are surprising everyone. I yeah. I don't know if they're for real or not. They're so young, but it could be they could be this year's Atlanta Hawks. Who knows? And maybe they could even take it a little farther than Atlanta did last year. Yeah, and Demar Rosen is playing at a different level. Yeah, yeah. and you got Zach Levine, Levine, and that's. Yeah. I mean, they do like you said, they do have some really good players. They really do. So let's stay with basketball for a minute. Yeah. LeBron James. Uh, has been talking about wanting to play with his son. I think it's Jack said two and a half to three years he'll be eligible. And yeah. he even said he'll play for the league minimum to be with his son. Jack brought up some interesting points. I'm going to give you one of mine. He said, is it maybe too much pressure on this kid? He already is under enough pressure being the son of the great LeBron James. But now LeBron James wants to play on the same team with him. And 
you know, I, I, daddy's going to be around all the time now. So daddy's going to be around during the games, during the road, doing every, I mean, and the teams might even move up to draft him just to get LeBron James. I think in three years, Le, LeBron James will still be a very good basketball player. He may not be as great as he is now, but it'd be very good. So are they going to move up to draft uh, his son to get LeBron there? And then, you know, then the players are going to be, well, you got drafted that high because of your dad. So here you got not only you're playing in his footsteps, in his shadow, now he's there with you. And my point is, well, now if LeBron goes to this team, his son comes in, and the coach decides, well, he's not good enough to start, does LeBron start a big chaos there? Because he went there to play with his son, and then they're not going to play his son that much. I mean, can you see a bunch of problems coming with this, Robert? Well, I think LeBron at this point, that point in his career, he's going to be pushing 40. Uh, I'm sure he's going to know that he's probably going to be a role player more of not the main guy because, I mean, he knows he's he's mortal. And the fact that he actually said, I didn't even read that. He said he'll take the league minimum. So it makes me think about baseball guys with Barry Bonds and, and his dad and the Griffey uh, and his dad playing on. I think it would be a great story. Uh, yeah, Pickle says a team like Memphis maybe uh, could pick, you know, he, he's uh, LeBron's son's like a 24th prospect. Now, this is out of high school. We don't know what he's going to be in the draft, uh, per se. I mean, it'd be one year of like a semi pro or, or college. I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I, I could see it being a good story. And I don't think it'll be, I think it'll be more easy. You got your dad there, everybody knows he's your dad. Uh, it'll be more of an at-ease type of thing. I don't think LeBron's going to push for his son because that just adds more pressure to his son. Yeah. I think he just let it kind of goes with the flow. I, I sense a maturity type of uh, story here with LeBron and kind of easing in uh, his son into a situation. And I also – An interesting well, story to follow. I don't think Bronny's as big as LeBron. I don't think he's no. anywhere close to me. I think he's a 6'5". So it'd be uh, like a guard or something. Yeah, you guys right. say Bronny got an underwear deal. I saw yesterday. <laughs> oh, brand. I'm serious, an yeah. underwear. No, I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, but but Jim, you know, too, I mean, it, we what we just talked about being on the road, uh, let's say you're on the same team as your son, and you're on the road, and you say to him, oh, where are we going out to dinner tonight, the night off? And, you know, and he wants to go out with his friends. And you ask him where you're going, this and that. It's I don't know. Is it the healthiest yeah. thing necessarily? Well, the dads are going to do that. but And then you make a good point, Jack. But most of the time, they're going to give him freedom, too. They're not going to – he's not going to be a dad there. He's just going to be a teammate. If he wants to go with somebody else, uh, he's going to have to let him. It's just like when you're – the hardest thing for me was when my daughter started dating and that, <laughs> but that's the truth. Oh um, yeah. You know, you, you, you let them be grow up to be young women or men and you have to. So he's going to have to give them some leeway. I don't think that'll be a big issue. I can only imagine that guy going over to the house to meet you to date his daughter. Oh my God. <laughs> and this especially came with a Philadelphia Eagle, you know, Oh 
Shoot, it was over. You would never get in my house. Shut the door. Jim, did you mess with them poor young guys? Did you mess with them and eyeball them and stuff? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I would have met your daughter somewhere else. I promise you that. Oh, I can tell you stories about that. Oh, I bet you can. Oh, they were fired up over me. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, Rob, let's 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 push on to uh, the NFL a little bit. Eric Bieniemy, one of the best offensive coordinators in the league, he's probably has is has been in charge of one of the top offenses, arguably maybe the top offenses in the last four years. Yeah, he again, again gets passed over for a head coach, and I thought he would maybe be a perfect fit in New Orleans. That's what I was thinking that maybe he would finally get his job. But again, he's passed over. He, he verbally commits to Kansas city again. And I asked Jack about this and I, I really wonder this sometimes Andy Reed, the head coach of the, of, of the chiefs, of course, during the game calls the plays. Yeah. He says, you see him calling in the plays and you don't see what the enemy does all week to prepare for the game when he does it, the players. And he only has the, probably the best, if not the top three quarterbacks in the league right now, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Do you think him being an offensive coordinator with Andy Reid calling the plays during Sunday and having Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback hurts him in any way? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, if I was there at the enemy, I may take a college job or something uh, for a year or two just to just – maybe as an offensive coordinator somewhere else just to show that I, I, I am that guy, perhaps in the NFL, something like that. Uh, Ron Poltz, the former assistant GM for the Kansas City Chiefs, interviewed 11 other candidates. I looked this up this morning for the Bears. He's the general manager of the Bears. He didn't even interview the enemy. So, you know, I think about a guy like Mike Zimmer in his late 50s, guys got his first head coaching job, and now he's out of a job. Maybe the enemy is not head coaching material. Think about guys like North Turner, really good coordinator, but at least give him a shot. So yeah. if, if I'm the enemy, maybe you take a job somewhere else as a Can coordinator. Can I tell you something, guys? This, this story is going to get bigger. You mentioned the Chicago Bears. Yeah. They just hired Matt Nagy. The Kansas City Chiefs just hired Matt Nagy as their quarterback coach. Now, how's Eric Bieniemy going to feel? Because Matt Nagy was just a head coach, and calling the plays is his thing. Is there going to be some friction over there? Is Eric Bieniemy going to feel threatened by Matt Nagy going being there? Is Andy? Does Andy Reid really prefer Matt Nagy to have more of a say in the the offense? I mean, there's something that's going to go down. I think in KC this year because of that. Yeah. And to your point, Keith. Uh, the enemy was in college. He was an OC in college at the University Oh, it was okay. Chicago, where he um, played, and he has baggage. That's the problem, and people know that he has baggage. I can't comment on some of the things he did at University of College, but he has baggage. And when they research you, they know he has baggage. Jim, that was about twenty years ago, or whatever. Do you think? No, it wasn't twenty years ago. It was okay. about uh, at the most 10 years ago because I was at the University of Colorado, too. And um, he had some issues and 
I'm just telling you, that's a lot of that baggage that he took to the NFL. Well, let me ask you, if he didn't have those issues, do you think he would have gotten a head coaching job? by uh, There's a possibility, but when you have some yeah. things like that, and I hate to say that, yeah. but um, when you have those things, and especially when you're dealing with young men, it's going to be a difficult time. And like I said, the people can research you because somebody knows everything that you've done in the coaching world. Somebody's coached with you. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess I see. I, I just I just think, Jim, that, you know, this guy as a professional offensive coordinator has done a tremendous job. And if, those, if, those, if that baggage is that bad, then why would Kansas City uh, hire him as an offensive coordinator? They must have trusted him. Yeah, they did. And it's, that's the thing. But but are you going to trust him with your whole team? And I'm not saying, you know, it wasn't anything criminal that he did. Yeah, it was, uh, it's just when you're dealing with a whole team, you're not just dealing with offensive players. You're dealing with special teams. You're dealing with uh, obviously defense yeah. and you have to put it all together. And that's the thing that you have to do is you have to put this all together. You got to I mean, you got to talk to every position. And that's the thing. And some people are not meant to do that. I thought um, and you talked about older coach that did it. David Culley, yeah. who was at Houston, he did a tremendous job for his yeah. first coaching. So it's yeah. just that you did – are you – just like we talked earlier in the show about Juwan Howard, are you even careful enough to deal with different positions? And that's the question. Yeah. So, so Jack, interesting with Nagy going there. That, that might that might do a lot of uh, – some things over there. You're right. That's, that's very, very, very – That's one to monitor that yeah. situation when Nagy coming back there. Yeah, and we had that situation happen in um, actually in um, Dallas when Bill Parcells was there. Mo Carthon was the, the offensive coordinator, but Sean Payton called the plays. He was the quarterback coach. Hmm. Hmm. That's a very interesting. Very interesting. Um, does let me ask you a question right now. Russell Wilson to me is still a top five quarterback in the league. The man still can throw the ball. He still can move around. He can make big plays. Even on bad teams, uh, they could they built a really good team around him when he was under that rookie contract. Of course, they paid him some big dollars that might have affected some of the players that they could get or could keep. So Seattle's probably going to be in last place again next year. I think I think we could pretty much agree that that that's probably where they're going to end up. Russell Wilson has two years left. Yeah, Seattle cleaned houses in the coaches, and Pete Carroll's still there. Does Russell Wilson really want to be on a rebuilding team for the next couple of years, Robert? Yeah, and you keep reading the uh, the term explore options, explore options. So the next two weeks are going to be interesting, guys. We've got the new free uh, free agency coming up, the NFL New Year coming up. Uh, you know, possibly, you know, Russell Wilson, you look at a guy like Mike McDonald that took over for the Dolphins. Uh, running coordinator, bringing that running game to to the Dolphins. Dolphins got the most money in cap room in the whole league. I don't know how they did this. That's one good story for the Dolphins. <laughs> they got the most money. They can make it happen and swallow that contract and bring some offensive linemen in there, and they wouldn't be a rebuilding job. Uh, so possibly that the, the four teams that he named last year, their, their situations are totally different now. He, he named like the Bears, 
the Bears. Uh, now they've got Justin Fields. He named the Saints. Now Sean McVay is uh, semi-retired or whatnot. So all those teams would essentially be off the uh, off of his list. And as soon as, guys, I don't know if you caught this, but as soon as uh, the word was that Pete Carroll was coming back, then he starts to talk about explore his option, he being Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know if he wants to stay with Seattle during their semi-rebuilding, if you want to call it that. And, and and does Seattle really want Russell Wilson there with with that that amount of money? And they really can't right. do anything, right? I mean, they they gave up a lot of draft capital for Adams. You know, they've made some like they've yeah. made some uh, bad moves in, uh, in the line and stuff. They haven't been able to sign some linemen. I mean, freeing up that contract and getting some resources for Russell Wilson would probably be the best thing for the Seattle Seahawks right now. I think so, guys. Look at Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. Uh, There's like a – I think Rich Eisen brought this up. It's that 14% cap space plus that that quarterback takes up. The teams don't win Super Bowls. They just don't – they don't go far because of that. And he is one of those quarterbacks. Remember Brady – $22, $25 $22, $25 million is not that much money compared to what these guys, 35 close to $40 million when he went to Tampa. Plus, they had a ton of cap room. That's why I thought it was a perfect fit when he went there. So yeah. if you're Rodgers or or Wilson, one of the, you guys, they're going to have to take a, a pay cut uh, to make this thing happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with yeah. you 100%. Because there's only a certain window that you have that opportunity to win a Super Bowl, and if that is their goal, then they're going to have to take pay cuts to go anywhere else. They're not going to get what's Rogers. You said it, I think last week, forty-two Close million, forty, forty million, oh, 40, 45, Excuse me, forty. Now, guys, yeah. When the Colts and the Patriots had the big rivalry, uh, Manning and Brady, Brady always took pay cuts. Yeah. He had a wealthy wife, so he had the money in the family. But Manning didn't take pay cuts. Could that have made a difference at all, you know, it, it, at least for one Super Bowl, you think? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I, I just yeah. think Brady took him before he got married to the supermodel. Yeah. That that story's well documented, guys. Yeah, but and... she was a sugar mom at the time, Robert. That's not right. <laughs> no, he was, he was seeing another lady at the time. Right? He's got, That's why you know, he has a kid by another wife. And I, well, yeah, I, don't know if I don't know. That's um, funny, though. That's a good setup. I should have uh, went with that, Mac. You should have. It would have been, been great. So, so, so last, last, last subject for you, yeah. Robert, is uh, um, the two favorites preseason to go to the Super Bowl are both from the AFC. They're the Chiefs and the Bills. I mean, is that – you think that's right, or do you think there should have been one or two other ones that were should have maybe been the favorite, not those two? Well, I mean, you look at it today. The new the new year hasn't started yet. Uh, you look at other teams. Cincinnati, they got a ton of cap moves. They're, they're only just a few spots down from Miami. They have a lot of money. Uh, again, rookie quarterback. You know he's a starter, rookie contract quarterback. You know he's a starter. Look at their own division with Kansas City. Uh, the L.A. Chargers, they have a boatload of money. How did they spend that money in free agents? Uh, the Chargers could be a Super Bowl 
dark horse next year. They've got the quarterback. Maybe the coach get throws that analytic book away and listens to Ron Rivera and John Madden and, and, and uh, make some adjustments. Very young. A uh, lot of money. How do they spend that money? We're going to find out here in about the next two or three weeks by uh, St. Patrick's Day. These odds may change. There's going to be possible trades in the league. Uh, but as far as Kansas City, Buffalo, uh, Buffalo's got a new offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. They brought in Joe Brady. Are they going to get that running game? Can Kansas City keep Orlando Brown, their left tackle? I do everything I can to keep Orlando Brown. He's coming up for extension. So it's going to be, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but I understand on what it's, what is today, the 27th of February, something like that. Yeah, I could see them being co favorites, plus 700 for both Kansas City and Buffalo. But that's got point. a long way to go. What about Tennessee? Uh, Tennessee is like plus 2,200. Uh, they're a little bit over the cap, but they're still going to be in it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like seven or eight million over. They can make some adjustments. Real quick, get the Jets four picks in the first thirty-eight. Yes, yes. I mean those four <laughs> picks may put them over the top. Jack, I just got to tell you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they get Russell Wilson. I, I know. I know Carlos wants them to get him. Real, real, real quick before I let you go, Robert. Tennessee's yeah. problem at quarterback. Tannehill a couple years ago was playing really well. In fact, I think he was one of the leading percentage throwers in the league. Yeah. Uh, but Tennessee has a great running game. Play action works really well with, with Ryan Tannehill. Is it time that Tennessee looks somewhere else for another quarterback? Uh, if it's me, I, I, I explore those options. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it, but John Robertson, he likes to push the, all, the, uh, all his chips in. My guess is they'll probably try to air quote, run it back. That's, that's a, term these teams like to use this year and and if it don't work this year they're gonna have to do something but that being said i don't know if your scouts say malik willis uh fits fits your uh, criteria uh would i draft a guy like a malik willis or one of these corral or somebody like that late first early second round i say jump on it just that's just my thought for the future anyways so at least push Tannehill. sure Sure, I agree. Robert, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure having you on and your insight. Have a great day, folks. Check out Sportscope. They're on Roku with us uh, on the Roku TV channel. Also, he's all over the place, Instagram, Twitter. He's everywhere. So just look up Sportscope with a K, and your host, Robert Butler, will be there giving you the biggest news in sports. Robert, thank you for coming in. Have a good show, guys. See you. So there you go, folks. I just want to know who are your top five quarterbacks? Because I don't know Russell Wilson is a top. Yeah, five. I know that got my attention, Jim. I don't think Russell Wilson's a top. Five I do. Anymore. I think I think Russell Wilson is easily a top five quarterback. Would you take him over Aaron Rodgers? No. Would you take him over Herbert? Yes. Yeah. Oh no, not at this stage. So you look at it. Uh, obviously, uh, Brady's gone, right? Well, so you say Joe Burrow just now. Joe Burrow. You take him over Matthew Stafford right exactly. now. So there is five. Right now. Now. Oh yes, I, I take him over Matt Stafford in a minute. Josh Allen, you take you wouldn't Josh take him over Josh Allen. I think no. I think that that's that you just named three of the four that that he would. Would you, you take him over Zach Prescott right now? Yes. 
Wow. I would. I would. Bold I statement. Yeah. Bold statement. I, I, I think. Well, I think you have the right to your opinion, even if it is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> everything equal. Everything equal. I think. Yeah. I'll tell you the truth. I think if Russell Wilson was on the Cowboys last two years, they might have been in the Super Bowl. All right. Nah, not with the penalties. Not uh, with the, I don't know about that, Jim. I don't know. Down. I don't know. I think they might have. Folks, we're going to be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. We'll have the Philly sports guy coming up on the other side as he will be giving us his rendition of some of the information I'm asking him to share with us on this week in sports. We'll be right back. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. But your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Those Speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. And I'm here to say I am the top banana in the world today. And I'm gonna dance. Bananas in my land. So don't slip up with an inferior brand. What is it, Chiki? It's a very good day to buy bananas. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can you come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Here comes the king, here comes the big number one. But wise appear the king is second to none. Just say, but wiser, you've said it all. Here comes the king of this, so let your glasses hear the call. But wise appears the one that's leading the rest. And each word aging makes it feel at its best. When you say, but one taste of tell you, so loud and clear. There's only one, one wiser. When you say, but you said it. 
<laughs> oh Lord, get it going. Thank you. Are you going to play for me or not? Come on. If you talk hey. and they will hear you oh, no. every single time. Now we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? He called the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle's mother kids got called drinking beer in the park a couple of months ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this stage, so. Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it too. I'm not saying that Matt's gonna be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he gonna know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Gym. Uh, this weekend's sports show. I almost said big football show. Uh, here every Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. Uh, here today with you, of course, is, I'm your host, Mac, with co-host Jack Hirsch, and the legend himself, Jim Jeffcoat. Uh, folks, we're going through some of the biggest news and most interesting news this week in sports. And the next guy up comes with us every Friday and Sunday. He's a good friend of mine, one of the best uh, sports analysts in the business, and uh, that's the Philly sports guy, Jamie Pags. So let's let's get yeah, my my board is slow over here. Let's bring up Jamie and see what's going on. How you doing, Pags? Morning, guys. How are you? Good morning, Pags. I, I I'm impressed. With the green screen there, Pags. I mean, people. Are you doing know, that. I'm trying some stuff out. You know, they're yeah, always evolving. Yes, yes, yes. Pags, a question to you though. Uh, can I just answer this? Because Jim <clears throat> mentioned. Well, gonna, wait a minute, Jack, Jack. Are you going to answer it or ask him? You said you're going to answer it. I'm going to ask him. Okay, all right. Ask him. Jim mentioned when his daughter started dating, he checked the guys very carefully. He was kind of intimidating, knowing. You know, if you were dating a girl, you were a young man, and you knew he was a big Dallas Cowboy guy, especially a guy like Jim, would you come with your Philadelphia Eagle, you know, jacket on and the whole gear to the door? But were you, would you have the guts to do it? Uh, absolutely. 
<laughs> oh, very, I look, very, of course, very, of course. You first off, you ain't going to change in me. You know what I mean? And you better find out right away who I am. Yes. So now, now, and I, I'm bringing, I'm bringing myself. You know, I, I learned very early. You know, when you're meeting, when you're meeting a parent, you shake hands, you look directly in the eyes. You know, and that's, and that's that. You know what I mean? It's like yes. at that point, they're going to like you or not like you just from that alone. Yes. And when you hit somebody, when you hit, a, especially a father. They can appreciate that because ultimately they they know. Hey, listen, am I going to get BS'd or is this guy going to at least treat my daughter right? Well, Pags, don't, Pags, don't you have you have children, right? I do. Do you have a daughter? I do. So now, when when a young man, I don't know how old she is. So just say if she was old enough, and that first young man comes over to meet you. Are you going to get dressed up like the Philly sports guy and, and try to intimidate him that way? <laughs> no, no. Okay. That I will not do. All right. You're not going uh, to change. You know, it, it's interesting because, you know, my kids are, are 13. My son is 13. My daughter is 11, about to turn 12. And they're just now starting to learn that their friends, who, my kids. Now, all right, I, I got two stories here a little bit. First off, the mother of my children is a Dallas Cowboys fan. She's a wonderful woman. So, but she was born. She was born in Dallas. I was a Dallas fan. We met. We met in February. So there was no football. We were both Flyers fans, hockey fans, and the Flyers went on a nice little run. And you know, you know, we uh, we did things a little out of schedule. So we got pregnant really quickly. And when September came around, she's like, "You know, I'm a Cowboys fan." I'm like, "What?" You know, and then during that time, the Phillies went to the World Series. And she got me World Series tickets. So, at, at being eight months pregnant, she's taking me to the World Series. Stayed that whole rain delay. You know, it was, it was you know, while she's eight months pregnant. Very romantic. So, very romantic, guys. Very romantic. Yes. yes I told her, romantic. I told her she could choose the religion. I choose the football team. Right. Okay. My well, son had different ideas. My son, when he was uh, about six, seven years old, comes up to me and he says, Dad, I just want you to know I'm going to be a Cowboys fan. And I says, listen, I'm okay with that. However, I'm going to go tell all your friends. And she's like, no, you can't go do that. I'm like, listen, he lives in Philly. He better learn right now what it's like to be a Cowboys fan at, because he's not going to. it's not going to be a fun time for him. Yeah. Uh, no, two weeks okay. later, he says he just didn't like football. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, Pags, Pags more intimidating to his son than he would be a wow. suitor for his daughter. Wow. wow. Hey, my daughter, hey, my daughter is you know the love you know the love of my life. My mother threatened me back in the day that I was going to have a kid just like me. She never said it was going to be a girl. Yes. Yes. Well, good luck with that, Pags. Uh, oh, tell anyway. me about it. I got yes. my working yes. store. Oh boy. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the acquisition. We we mentioned it with Robert uh, of James Harden. That first game, the biggest local draw, the biggest the biggest rating since two thousand and one. Harden comes in. You guys uh, whip up on the Timberwolves. Uh, Harden makes more threes in one game than Simmons has done his whole career. With the uh, 
with the with the 76ers. I was talking, you know, I, I always I always thought there was a myth to the top three. Not that you don't have a third good player like a worthy like Jack mentioned or a, you know or the chief with uh, Berta McHale, but really it's two main players that control the game and open it up for the other ones. And I think Maxi is going to get a lot of lot of love when they're trying to double Embiid and they're paying attention to Harden. And, and I think Maxi will be an unbelievable player for you guys this year. I agree. I think he's been unbelievable already. And I feel that he is I, – I, obviously, he's going to be the first one to get the looks. I think the one who's really going to benefit from all this is Tobias Harris. I there feel that as he – That's what I was thinking. Yeah, as he starts to uh, be under the net, I think that he'll wind up getting more rebounds. I think he's going to have a lot more open looks, you know, in that 12 to 18 foot range. And I, I feel like that you're going to see nights where when one of the two don't have it, and that these nights happen, that those nights you're going to see him come out with like 28 to 35 points a game. Pags, do you think losing Curry is going to hurt him, Philly? No. You don't think no. so? I think Curry goes hot and cold. Uh, I Obviously, I mean, you know, I, I laugh when I hear everybody talk about how, you know, they don't play defense. He doesn't play defense. And Ben Simmons was only a defensive specialist. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're willing, you know, when it comes to these major games, all you're doing is keeping with the guy and putting your hands up. It's so all there is to, to defense in basketball. And if you got if you're in front of the guy and you put your hands up in his face, there's a 35% less chance he's going to make that shot. And if you but do, do you that think they time, match up well with some of the teams like um we were talking uh, earlier before you got on the show, Milwaukee, because nobody can really guard Giannis. We know, but Miami, Miami is going to be a team or uh, just like we mentioned earlier, Chicago, those two teams are going to be tough because Chicago, Jimmy Butler. Chicago is not got it all together yet. Yeah, but Jimmy yeah. Butler is a matchup nightmare. Butler, Butler is, but there again, you think about who else they got on that team, mm -hmm. and he's the one that you have to put the most defense into. Yeah, Bam. Now, he's going to get his points. He's going to get his points, but that's mm -hmm. a matter of – you know, as long as you're good with everybody else and, and making sure that you have them kind of locked down, you know, mm -hmm. if you're doubling Jimmy, they got to find that other open guy. And that mm -hmm. open guy is going to be the one that will kill him. Now, yeah. is it possible for them to get killed by that guy? Possibly. But ultimately, I'm going to take that chance. As long as Jimmy Butler ain't killing me and he's not going, he's not going off for 35 to 40 points a game, I think that Miami's beatable. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the same. I think the right now, the the teams that I'm most scared about. I mean, is kind of Miami, the Bucks, and then out west, the the team that scares me the most is Phoenix. I mean, I even think that the Warriors are able to be quelled with some defense. You know, well, and they don't have Draymond Green. He's coming back. You got to remember that. Of course, you know, and, and, I'm, I, and I'm, I'm taking Draymond Green into consideration. Yeah. I feel like, again, the their strength is their scoring. Yeah. Their weakness is their defense. So as long as you can keep up on the scoring and you can double their defense, which isn't very hard to do, 
You know what I mean? It's just a matter, like I said, getting in front of these guys, putting your hands in their faces and up so that they have at least some type of barrier that they got to shoot over. And there's, there's more of a chance that they're going to miss. We need them to miss just 15% more of their shots than they do currently. It's hard enough. You know, it's easier to say than done, but it's, it's definitely a lot more feasible when you're playing a little bit I'm more. I'm telling you, the, the team that's going to get hot in the West is Utah. Because look at their roster. Utah, Utah soft. Utah soft. You, yeah, they, Jim Lasket had a great game when they went on the playoffs. Yeah, I think they're going to Utah's going to get hot. Because without Chris Paul in uh, Phoenix for six to eight weeks, that's an issue. That's right. a big issue. Utah has – they are soft. I, I'm not going to argue there, but they do have some players, though. They got when you talk about their top five can play with anybody when they show up on the at when they all show up. The problem is, is that if things don't go their way, they start to they start to inner bicker. They point mm -hmm. fingers at each other, and that's you can't have that in the team. Yeah. I mean, think about I you know I think about that and. Uh, think about what happened to the 94 Cowboys mm -hmm. where there was a little bit of inner strife with what was going on and it affected you guys on the field. You guys were still the better teams, you know. Heck no, the Niners were better that year. They won the Super Bowl <laughs> after you won two in a row. I'm sorry. No, I, I don't have an argument with that. It wasn't any inner strife. It was just a transition to different kind of leadership. And that wasn't strike. That was just more or less transition because Barry was totally different than Jimmy. Where Jimmy was had a tighter rein on the team, Barry was a more loosey-goosey guy. Pags, you know, back back in the day, there was there was two different types of, of teams really that, that won championships. You had the the fast breaks like with the with the Lakers and the Rockets and and, and to some extent, the 76ers. And then you had the slower ball down with it with Boston and, you know, a couple of the other teams that played maybe a half-court offense. They slowed the pace down and set their set their inner guys and to set up their shooters. And then they defended well off the, you know, off off the miss or off the, uh, off the change of possession. Philly, what do you think they are? You think they're a half-court offense with, with Harden there now, uh, more, more slower, more precise? I don't know if they could run with some of the younger teams. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, first off, just MB trying to run down the floor is not – I mean, I think he's on the actual floor more than any other player I ever see. So I don't want him running really fast for any reason because I obviously when he, start, when he has to race down the floor, that's when his knees have issues. So I like them to be more of a half-court game. I also like it that Harden can see the long ball pass. And if there is somebody, like I know that uh, uh, in that Minnesota game, he did a couple of passes where they were court-long court passes to somebody who was underneath the basket, like almost cherry-picking, and you know, it was an easy two points. Those are the things that you want to see from a quarterback of an offense. They're talking about here – at. In practices, players who are not used to getting the ball are now starting to get the ball because they're getting open looks, you know. And they're showing. They were saying that, like, out of everybody on the team, 
because most of the team is surprised now to get the ball. They're not used to it. But now they're getting the ball, and it, they're like, the only person who's really been thriving in that type of offense is uh, Furkan Korkmaz. And that he's been able to take that ball and, and always be ready for the ball and get ready to shoot. Because of that, he's started to make a little bit more. Now, of course, we've only seen one game. We got to see more of the you know body of work in that. But imagine him getting an extra six points a game just because he's ready to you know ready for the shot. That's a whole different scenario than what he's used to. And six points on the you know on the lesser part of the staff when you start to get uh, from away from those top four guys and you start getting more points out of your five through 12, well, those points are going to start to add up. And I just think that you saw just a glimpse of what Harden is doing as a coach and quarterback on the court to these guys, that they have, they have taken a little bit of what he's saying, and they're just they're accepting it like sponges. Is Joe Lampied accepting it? How does a guy who's the lead of a team like Joe Lambie feel if a big personality like James Harden comes in and he's starting to rally the guys around him? Because I'm sure Embiid perceives himself as being the leader of that team. And deep down, he might not really want to share that with someone else. He had that with Jimmy Butler and loved it. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's one thing that I think believe that Embiid's got is uh, as big an ego he has is that he is a team guy and he always wanted to be a team guy you know you think about you know, think about that all-star game a couple of years ago when Ben Simmons who was playing for the other team you know goes up and just whacks Embiid on the behind you know during the game you know, and B just turns around and looks at him. You know, they share a laugh and whatever. It's, you know, they, he's a pretty good teammate to have. And I think that, you know, I think that James Harden also has always been a little uh, at all of the, you know, what Embiid has been able to do in this league. And I think that that kind of shows through a little bit too. I feel like that that sometimes two guys can work symbiotically. And I feel that Jimmy Butler, when he was here, got along much better with Embiid than, of course, Simmons did. And that kind of started the whole situation that, hey, you know, it's like you like him better than you like me. You know, and you know, that you guys initially was like, mm, you know, I don't know. And Butler didn't want to stay here. When you, Jim, and Mac were talking about the potential NBA champions a moment ago, you guys left out the Nets. But let me just ask, the 76ers Nets, does that now become the biggest team rivalry in all of sports? No. No. You don't first think off, that there'll be a lot of defensive Sixers? Oh, my head. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that they, I, you know, I feel like it's a little bit of, hypochondria that he happens to have now that this is starting to get more mental that he's doing everything he can to make sure that he doesn't start playing for the nets until after the 10th of March. And he's they're going to do everything they can to keep him away from Philadelphia and have him on that last stretch run from we'll call it the Ides of March to the end of the season. 
and see how see if he's going to be able to handle. You know, they're going to be able to get all three of them together because hey, the moment New York moves that mandate, then Kyrie can play, and then they're you're going to have Durant come back, and then all of a sudden you're going to have three players who have been able you who maybe in the first three weeks of playing together will have more games played together than the three of them with Harden, uh, Durant, and Kyrie. That, that all depends if Kyrie has something he's got to take care of uh, that month, too. So we'll see what happens. With that. <laughs> you know, exactly. Exactly. I mean, of course, uh, could have, should have, would have. You know what I mean? Who knows right. what he's going to do? I mean, I mean, they just talk about Rodman. He, he's, he's worse than Rodman. Um, Phil, but here's uh, the thing about Rodman. You can say what you want, but when it came to game time, he always showed up. Yes. That's correct. Yes, I look at him more like uh, – what did he change his name to? Meta World? Yeah. You yeah, know who I'm talking about? Ron That's what I'm to look at. Ron Artest. He's Rodman. You can say anything you want about, but Rodman played hard. Right. No, there's, no doubt. there's no doubt That's about why, that. Hey, listen, Jordan wouldn't have people around him that didn't play. Yeah. Hey, listen, I think I think Kyrie plays hard when he's in the court, too. Is it sometimes he's yeah, really good? Sometimes yeah, he's not so good. Unfortunately, with the situation. He's not on the court all the time, but yeah. and Kevin Durant is the king. We know what he's oh, no doing. doubt. There's no doubt, but uh, Kevin Durant for some reason does not want to be a leader. He wants to kind of just mix in there, which I think mm -hmm. if he was, uh, the Nets yeah. would be a lot, lot better off. Yeah. Pax, one more thing before I let you go. We talked, we, me, Jack, and you talked about the MLB deadline. It's coming up tomorrow. If the agreement cannot be reached. They're going to start missing games. Um, and the owner said that, you know, if this agreement doesn't come through, not only are they going to miss games, but they're going to miss part of their salary. First was it's needed to get them going because the players, angry as they are, they're coming back today to talk again. So was that something the owners had to do? Draw the line in the sand and say, hey, listen, enough. Either we're going to get it done by this deadline or that's it. We're going to just start pulling games. Well, I at some point you have to make a line in the sand so that you try to hit that goal. And that's the first line in the sand. So I'd be willing to bet that today they are going to come back and you're going to hear about that they made a little bit of progress. And that little bit of progress on an overnight is going to turn to a lot more progress. And I don't think that you're going to see, I think you're going to see the deadline come and go on Monday. And then by Wednesday, it's like it's going to be, you know, they're that they're going to have this all finalized, and they're not going to cancel games. The baseball cannot; they cannot start to cancel games. I, I, I feel that you are going to lose a lot of people, and you know, there's, I mean, just for instance, as spring training in Philadelphia is kind of a big deal, especially with the older community, and they're going to get. You know, there was a lot of talk about football, you know, because of all of the politicizing that was going on, that people were getting turned off by football, but they still came out. You know what I mean? Because ultimately, once the game actually started, the politicizing went down a tremendous amount. The NFL did really well this year to quell a lot of the extracurriculars that happened around a football field this past season baseball is going to have similar problems now it's not as political anymore it's all financial and listen when you have half the country 
who still listen to baseball games on the radio and they're watching guys who make millions of dollars, you know, in arbitration for having a piss poor year. Those are the types of things that really anger people. Why does that guy deserve a raise when he, when he bad 25 points under his average and then he's going to arbitration and now they're going to give him that raise because the team don't feel like he deserves the raise, but an arbitrator is going to come in and say, well, I, by looking at this guy, I got to do it for this guy. And that's the problem that they're running into. It's, it's been so far down the line that now you got somebody who is a, a career 240 hitter going to arbitration and getting a raise because the arbitrator did it for somebody else. And you can't, you can't, uh, you have to kind of keep everything in, in linear. Uh, well, if you did it for this guy and this guy did this, well, then I deserve this. And I think that that's the problem with a lot of what's going on with the players. The owners are trying to take back a little bit of their money. And I can appreciate that because if they're giving their money to other owners, you know, I mean, I know that there's a little bit of strife within the owners itself that sure. they're running to with, you know, these small market to these larger market owners. But ultimately, the teams are really frustrated with the fact that you had somebody who got offered in Washington yeah, what was it? Six years, three hundred and thirty million dollars, and he turned it down because it wasn't enough. Mm. Now, what what point? Well, now the one sold right, out. Yeah. When you do that, what other team is left? Well, now there's only like four teams. Yeah, you got and they're all the big markets out there who love blowing money. Angels love blowing money, and it don't do them any good. You got the Yankees, who yeah. it's kind of the same situation, the most storied franchise in all sports. And right now they can't even seem to buy themselves a championship. Well, I just I just think they they I agree they had to do something to get these talks back in front of them anyway, whether they reach an agreement today or not, um, or by tomorrow. Uh, the faster it happens, the faster chance to have uh, other games. I think there's too many games anyway in Major League Baseball, but that's for another day. Pags, thanks for coming in. We always enjoy having you. Great show, Pags. I got it hurts me to say that, but we believe some things together. The daughters. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, once we get past football, and I and I know just because you're stuck, you're stuck with that franchise. I know it, I know I don't blame you for it. I don't blame you for it. But you know, once we get past football, I can imagine that a lot of our ideals align. Yes. And what a good team and what a championship team should and be. No made question. Of. No question. No There's no doubt. No doubt, Pags. Again, thanks for coming in. You have a great weekend. We'll see you on Friday, Pags. Everybody follow the Philly Sports Guy on all his outlets. One of the biggest uh, social giants in sports. Oh, maybe not one of the biggest, but he's sure getting there fast. Already 2,000 followers on TikTok alone. So, guys, he's everywhere. Check him out on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, that other thing he's on. I mean, he's just everywhere. So just look for the Philly Sports Guy and you'll find Pags. Have a great one, Pags. All right, you guys. Take care. Hey, have a great day, Pags. So there you go, folks. The Philly Sports Guy, Jamie Pags himself. We're going to take our last time out. We still got some topics to talk about, believe it or not. We're not done. It was a busy week in sports. So stick around, folks, and we'll be right back after these messages. 
I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do. Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido. Hey, I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandito song and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, 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 Fritos corn chips. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFOLINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. Schaefer, the one beer to have when you're having more than one? One reason is more than one fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through, glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Anne, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac, Jack, and Jim This Week in Sports Show. Mac and Jack is on Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. live on YouTube, Roku TV, and Facebook. Jim's on the show. J&B Talking Shops Chop every Wednesday on Roku TV and also on our YouTube channel. Uh, great show, guys. Check it out uh, every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Jack is also on his own show with Frank Letierzo every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern with Glove Fists. Some big boxing news last night, some big news coming up. So, folks, be sure to tune in tomorrow night as Jack and Frank go over all the latest in boxing, the best boxing show streaming today, folks. So, incredible show. Both shows are incredible. Check them out. You get the behind-the-scenes look at the NFL from two former NFL stars, and you get to look at boxing from two experts in the field that have been in the field of boxing uh, since they were young. So two incredible shows. If you love football and you love uh, boxing, these two shows are a can't miss. And if you just love sports in general, then join me and Jack every Thursday through Sunday as we bring you the latest. Again, you know, speaking, if it's okay, Mac, uh, we yeah. had our debate. I'd like to ask Jim a question to break sure. the tie we had our debate show, and we discussed, Jim, whether a woman, a superstar athlete woman, an absolute, the equivalent of a Michael Jordan in her sport, head and shoulders above any other woman, could she conceivably hold down a legitimate roster spot for, let's say, one year on one of the four major sports? Hockey, we determined, no way. And the only thing I could see with football, before you laugh, would maybe be a field goal kicker, a great women's soccer kicker who had amazing accuracy from 50 yards in. Is it conceivable, you think, could legitimately, you know, make an NFL roster as a field goal kicker? That's a possibility. I don't think it's um, realistic, but it is a possibility. That a woman could, as a kicker, that's as probably a kicker. That's probably only only position. Maybe a punter, maybe a punter, but there's a possibility. I don't think because there have been women kickers in college, but it would have to be somebody who's a super kicker. I mean, the best of all yeah. time amongst women. It would have away. to be. It would have to be. Yeah, Jack will, keep, Jack will keep pleading the case. What me and you both know, Jim, there's no way in a million years that a female would get on a football field with a chance that she might get hit by a 300 or 260 pounder. Well, you move on. Only, the, the, kicker. only the kicker. Well, as, as, a kicker, as, a kicker as a kicker, there is As a kicker, Jim, the ball gets mishandled, the snap goes awry, and now what? And that's the problem I have with that. And God forbid she really got hurt. That would be a black eye in the NFL. Uh, yeah, but I, I think that I have it to could. agree with Jack. It could happen with a kicker. And, and, and it's and probably going to in our lifetime. And I'm telling you, I'll tell you, Jim, they would have to make a bunch of rule changes if they were to do that, where you could not hit the kicker at all. You couldn't do any. You would, I'm just telling you. There's I, possibly. I, I, just, I, think, I think as a token, Maybe, but not legitimately. That's my with, but with the way our sports are going today, it wouldn't shock me. They have women. The Giants, your team, has two women in uh, coaching, which that's is different. unusual. That's different. I'm just different. telling you, it's going to happen. 
And it we'll might. be alive to see it. We're it talking might. about a superstar oh in that sport. Like, like I was telling Mac, uh, I could see the equivalent of a woman basketball player who's a, a female who's <coughs> Michael Jordan type, head and shoulders above any other female far and away, maybe having a seat at the end of the bench on a men's team. And I gave him, him an example. If this were tennis, a team game, and there were 30 teams in tennis, 10 players per team, Serena Williams would have snuck in the top 300. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's my point. And made yeah. a team. But yeah. she's exactly. not going to But she's not going to play one-on-one against a male tennis player and win. Not yes. a top male tennis player. So come on. I mean, let's I mean anything's possible. They could I mean the, you could you could put a, a rule that a dog could carry a football. I, I you could do whatever you want. I'm saying legitimately a punter or a kicker if something goes wrong on a snap or something goes wrong on a hold and that kicker or that punter has to run with it or throw it and something happens to that woman, it would not look good for any league to have that happen. No, but um, thinking about that, Pickles is right. Vandy did break the barrier. They did have a, a field goal kicker. Yeah, and she kicked off the ball 20 yards. I'm not talking about a token thing. I'm talking no, about a I think that, I think it's, it's going to happen. I'm just telling you. It's going to happen. So get ready for it. It might. It might. But I don't think so. We'll see. See what happens. Uh, So let's get back to our our stories, uh, the big stories for the week. Um, Thanks, Jim. Um, The U.S. Brazilian, uh, Brazilian players, soccer players from Brazil were playing in the Ukraine League. They ended up getting a video out. They were stuck with their wives and kids in a hotel huddled around as Russia was coming in. They can't leave because, of course, the borders were closed. The airspace is closed. There's no fuel. And, of course, I can only imagine uh, the terror that these people are going through. Uh, when nobody can really help them. They, they, they sent out a video. I don't know who could help them unless somebody from – the soccer league came in and tried to talk, but I don't think that would help. I don't think Putin would listen. So here's a case of when you play overseas, you gotta you gotta take everything in consideration. I know a lot of people don't expect wars, but there are a lot of things that happen overseas, speaking personally, that don't happen here, that aren't that aren't a regular way of life or even happen once in a while. Um, there's a lot of things out there. So when they go around the world, these these players. They take their lives in their hands, and this is really sad that not only the players, you know, hold, held up in that hotel room. I haven't gotten an update from it, but their wives and kids are there too, and who knows what's going to happen to them? Or if, uh, they were said they were even worried about starving to death. So there's some sad things going on besides, uh, you know, besides just the Ukrainian. There are other people there in that country. Uh, the, the boxing brother, the uh, I'm trying to pronounce it right. They're, they're going to join the fight. Of course, one is a part of government back there. Well, one is the mayor of Kiev, uh, Vitaly Klitschko. Yeah, he's the actual man charge of making I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the possible effect, but I imagine you got to want to do something. And I don't care how great a boxer you are. Alexander Yusik, one of the heavyweight champions, he came back to Ukraine. That's where he <laughs> lives to fight. So there's some like amazing stories there. You know, 
Alexander Ovechkin, the great uh, NHL player on the Washington Capitals, he was a big Putin supporter, and he's saying how sad he is with the war. He hopes it ends, and he's been called out. It's a very difficult situation for Russian athletes here because if they put down the Russian government at all, they have family back there. Yeah. I understand their repercussions, but yet by them not putting down the Russian government, they're called out by other people as, you know, all type of names. And we think they're sympathetic towards the Russian government. And it's a tough situation they have as yeah. athletes here. That's a good point. That's a good point too, Jack. Uh, but as I always say, and I don't care how great a boxer you are or big and tough you are, you're not tougher than a bullet. So, I mean, I, you know, uh, God, God be with him, uh, going back there and hopefully Ukraine can, can maybe fend something off or maybe do something there. It doesn't look good at all though. I mean, that's, 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 uh, almost an unwinnable situation there right now. So, uh, to all those people over there, we, we wish you well and, and, and hope you, you're all right. Um, so kind of sad news there. Um, the U.S. women's soccer stars settle a $24 million lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation uh, because of not competitive uh, uh, salaries with the men. I, I, I totally agree with this. Uh, in fact, the women's soccer team is one of the best. Uh, uh, the recent soccer teams are one of the best in the world. Um you know, if they're out there and they're on TV as much as the men, if not more, and winning more than the men, definitely, there is no reason in the world they shouldn't be making as much as the men do, guys. There's no uh, – uh, you don't have any um, – thing. I agree with you because the U.S. women's obviously soccer team has been one of the best in the world for quite a while, and they yep. should. And they should be uh, up there and being paid because the men have struggled in soccer. The men, the U.S. men have struggled in soccer. So just what you go back to some of the things you said about other sports, if you are performing at a high level, then you earn the, the uh, chance to make more money. Yeah. I, mean, I I don't know why they wouldn't have to begin with. That just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. You know? yeah. so, so anyway, good for them. Um, Brian Flores says Miami. Now, this is a continuation, of course, from the original story, which everybody knows about. But he says when he was let go or fired or however you want to say released, that the Dolphins wanted him to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Now, you know, I, I, I have a little common sense. And I, I think Flores is kind of yanking the chain a little bit here. I mean, what person in their right mind, unless this Miami owner is a total idiot, if you're going to let this guy go or fire this guy and you, then you tell him you wanted to sign a non-disclosure agreement, that sounds kind of ridiculous to me. Um, I, I don't think an agreement was put in writing. If I was Flores, I would have said, sure, give me the agreement, and I would have kept it. So I, I think sometimes we start embellishing on things. Miami, of course, denies this. And, Jim, I asked you this or I, 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 when I was helping produce the show. Do you think that maybe this particular not, – nothing against Brian Flores. He's a great coach. But do you think taking him right now is the right decision? Don't you think that maybe Pittsburgh should have waited till this thing passed or the majority of it passed over? Because if this becomes a distraction during the year, which hopefully it doesn't, then, I mean, Flores isn't really just coaching. Now he's handling other things. And now this is bringing a lot of attention on the Steelers because he's the coach there. 
Do you think that affects it, this in any way? I, I don't think so because he's the linebacker coach and he's an assistant. Correct me if I'm wrong. The assistant head coach, and he's going to do his job. He's frustrated now, but he's going to do his job and he's going to help the pits. Well, he's going to work to help the Pittsburgh Steelers get better, which they're going to need help, obviously, without Ben there and things of that nature. And I think he's going to be the professional. That's something off the field. On the field, he's going to be focused on how he can help improve the Steelers. So that's just my opinion. I don't think it affects them. That's something different. And I'm sure as the offseason progress, you'll hear less and less about it. Uh, you know, I have a little bit of a theory. I could be wrong here. I think Mike Tomlin is getting a little ahead of the curve. Mike Tomlin is easily one of the most respected coaches in the NFL. But to the best of my knowledge, he hasn't spoken out about the lack of hiring of black coaches uh, himself. And he hasn't gotten criticized about that. So before that comes up, Mike Tomlin now hires Brian Flores. And that in itself sends a powerful message how he feels about the topic. He doesn't have to say anything more. He's hired Brian Flores. And that, you know, that's a powerful action right there that's going to keep everyone from at a distance from ever criticizing Mike Tomlin for not speaking out. It's a case of actions speaking louder than words. Mm -hmm. You agree with that, Jim? I kind of agree with that. He, Jack has made good points. Today. I think we may have to have Jack come in late more often, but yeah, he's, he's made he's good points. I talked about relief quarterbacks <laughs> in football, but and I got put down by your partner, Byron Williams. Yeah, oh, but no, he did. Um, I think Tomlin, and plus, I think it was a little bit of Rooney, too, because they made the Rooney rule, correct? Right, right. And I think they wanted to be ahead of it and said, hey, no, this is not what the Rooney rule is. This is what it is. And they're giving Flores another opportunity to coach. And I agree with that, too. The, 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 the team definitely has to be behind that. Yeah. Three things about Brian Flores. I have two good things to say and one negative. Good thing, good thing number one, he's an outstanding coach, in my view, okay? Uh, thing number two, basically, with Brian Flores, that's going to be a negative is – he wouldn't have spoken up had he gotten a giant job. So I don't want to hear that Brian Flores is being some type of leader and, you know, in the movement speaking out about injustices because had he gotten a giant job, it wouldn't have been an issue at all. And thing number three, for some reason, it, you know, I forgot just this moment, you know, but it's just some, <laughs> no, with the interviews, I saw it with them completely even though the Rooney rule was intended to be a positive thing, it doesn't turn out that way. And if I were Brian Flores, I would have been highly insulted too. You go to an interview where the they know who they're going to hire already. And someone of his stature having to sit through that, it's so demeaning. And especially John Elway with the Broncos, he incriminated himself. He said, well, if we look disheveled, we only had a few hours of sleep. You come prepared for that interview of your ownership. You take that interview as seriously as the person who's being interviewed. You don't come all tired just to get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. Okay? I don't want to hear Brian Flores was interviewed on a tight window of time. I didn't like that at all. That was insulting to Brian Williams. Brian Flores. And Williams, too. So, 
Anyway, yes, Jack, I, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. And, I, and, I, and as I said before, Jim, and you could, I think you'd agree with me too. It's all about relationships when it comes to business and hirings. There's not too many outsiders that you don't know that you hire. Once in a while, you get headhunters and they say this and that and you interview them. But a lot of times it's, to, it's the relationships. You know this guy or you know of this guy. Your friend knows this guy. You're aware of what he's done. And that normally that's how your decisions are made. If it's that's not made in house, and that's just business, and it's hard uh, when you have uh, uh, certain rules in effect, and a lot of people just don't like it. You're telling me who I got to hire, and and I can understand that to a point. It's my club; I'll hire who I want. But you you miss out on opportunities that might be better than your thought process, and a lot of people don't like to be told that. But mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, hopefully things start changing as more. Uh, as more of the minorities, uh, women, black men, uh, whatever, Asian men, whatever, start getting hired into the front offices, and that starts becoming more equal, I think you'll start seeing more of the minority coaches being hired too because yeah. now you're talking different relationships and, and different outlooks. So I think that's what's going to – when it changes, that's what's going to change. It is a major uh, changing factor there. Um, and I agree with you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. First time today, I think. The USFL, Jim, they had their draft. They did it differently than than they than most teams. They went by position. They changed uh, draft positions, each team taking a turn at going first. Primarily, it's retired or foot, professional football players that aren't earning the game anymore. Uh, these are the ones that were chosen for the most part. Um, two stadiums, one location. Um, they're they're trying they're trying to get they're trying to keep it as basic as, as possible for the first year, unlike way back when when they just went for it all they went for the gold. So uh, Fox has the rights. I think it will. I think it will develop the next few years, Jim. I think it'll be a pretty good league. Interesting, but I think that watching them, I think the USFL is in trouble. First of all, is the reason the XFL made uh was successful they started after the super bowl the week after the super bowl first of all the usfl is not starting until april and they're going in july so they're talking about uh basically what do these players want to do have an opportunity to go to nfl camps but if they're playing football in july they're not going to have that opportunity so that's going to hurt them because the focus is going to turn to the nfl the nfl is basically using um, the XFL as a Petri dish. right? So that helps them too. And then, like I said before, the XFL is going to start the week after the Super Bowl, and they'll be done um, the second week in April. So these kids will have enough time to prepare for NFL camps. Because let's be realistic, um, USFL is paying those kids 45,000-plus bonuses for winning games. But do you think that a lot of next year and then they have a contract where they have an option a year option so they're going to take so they're making these kids have an option where you're like we always talk about there's only a shelf life the opportunity to get into the nfl and they're taking a two years away from possibly so they're saying that and agents are smart enough to know that this is not a good situation i think that i wouldn't be surprised if usfl struggles and everybody's saying we're well, gambling is going to be the big thing, but 
there's other things you can the basketball is still going to be around baseball and so i don't think the gambling is going to be a bigger emphasis the way the you the xfl did the gambling was perfect how they did it was a lot better than the usfl is i think this league is going to suffer more than because i don't think it was real well thought out on the little things well they do have they do have fox owns the right so they at least will have uh broadcasting they will at least have Fo uh, fox sports behind them where the xfl is still searching well they have it they have the espn they have the okay. espn, so ESPN is, is on XFL. they're going to announce the xfl will have espn and amazon beautiful so, so now so now XFL looks like it might even be a better option than the USF, the USFL. And the XFL, the only reason why it was stopped, and we I was discussing this with Jack before, was because of COVID. They were doing yeah. really well. They, the they were doing really well because, yeah. trust me, I was coaching in it. And it was interesting from the standpoint is, is that there were things that you don't – that you didn't have to deal with in college or the NFL. These kids were just looking for opportunities. And they just wanted to play. Just like you talk about the semi-pro. They just wanted to play. And it was fun. It was a fun league. These play players played hard. And they never complained. They just went out there. There were no prima donnas because everybody was on the same level. Right. And then, and some of those players from the XFL had an opportunity to get in NFL camps. And some of them made NFL rosters. You know, and let me go backwards. Uh, you know what I would like to see? Backups in the NFL be allowed to play in the USFL to keep sharp because the teams that don't make the playoffs, they're only playing four months out of the year. Take, for example, a case of a quarterback like a Mitch Trubisky, who's glued to the bench, you know, at Buffalo. Uh, wouldn't the USFL be a great thing for him? The NFL season ends, he gets some playing time. A guy like Evan Ingram to finally get his act together. I mean, but the NFL is so scared of injuries, okay? Yeah. Or maybe they're scared of the competition if the league gets to be a little too I think it's more injuries. I think um, they did that with the World Football League, if you remember. The NFL basically did that. They sent a certain amount of players to each team, and uh, that was what they did. But I think they're afraid of the uh, reality that some people are going to get hurt, some players are going to get hurt, and that's what they're – biggest concern and then they're not going to sue the world football league or usfl they would sue the nfl and not only that i don't think their agents would go for that either because if they really want them to make the big money they're going to be the nfl they we're talking hurt. we're not talking about the star players we're talking about the back. i don't care Trubisky. i don't care Trubisky as a as, a, as an agent yeah and, yeah and if, if would, gets hurt. it'd be really down the line players yeah it'd be the last maybe the last five or six on the roster as opposed oh, to the top guys. Trubisky. Right. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. The bottom. But, but nobody, the bottom like, nobody like, nobody like, nobody like Ingram or, or Trubisky would, would do no. that. Jack. They, they no. risk too much money being lost. Their agents risk too much money being lost by getting hurt at the USFL. So they wouldn't do that. But maybe the bottom players is, as Jim say, maybe the last five guys on a practice squad, whatever. Yeah. Um, that might be something they could look into. Yeah. One last uh, one last topic, guys, before we go. Um, you know, the Hall of Fame announced that Dave Ortiz will be inducted into the Hall of Fame ahead of people with the same suspicions of PED use. 
David Ortiz, of course, everybody loves him. I love him. He's a great, fun guy. Has some great moments with the Red Sox, especially in the World Series. But he's no Barry Bonds. And he's not the caliber of a Roger Clemens as a pitcher. Or even a Bobby Bonds, for that matter, who didn't take PEDs. But this is where I think popularity is a little bit more on you're a likable guy. You're great with the media. Uh, yeah, you were suspected, so we'll let you fly. Um, I think it was very wrong to do to put him in before somebody like Barry Bonds or even Sammy Sosa, who had better numbers. Um, but hopefully, guys, this opens the door that slowly lets these other guys, whether by veteran committee or that are still eligible like an A-Rod, get in because they, they did let one in. So hopefully the writers that were on the fence about electing somebody to go to Hall of Fame will say to heck with it, let's put these guys in. So what do you think, Jim, really quick? I know Jack's opinion. We'll let him talk after you. I think um, David Artez, Artiz did some good things. I think it is a popularity contest because uh, Barry Bonds has done some amazing things. And Roger Clemens, those guys were guys that um, – basically inspired a generation. Now, I'm not saying the PED, but their play on the field has inspired a generation, both of those players. And Big Poppy did earn it, but is should he go in before these players? Sammy Sosa, maybe, but Bonds or Clemens, I don't think so. Even Yankee fans who hated the Red Sox players didn't hate Big Poppy. Everyone liked Big Poppy and Bonds, Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Raphael Palmero, A-Rod, they're just not nearly as popular, not nearly as liked. And as Jim said, it's a popular popularity contest to a degree. If Big Poppy wasn't as popular as he was, then the steroids would have become an issue, you know, whether he was on PEDs or not. But it's you know, everyone loves Big Poppy. Let's leave it at that. And then Big Poppy was the only one who um, had a, a positive test. And they said it was a mistake. <laughs> well, again, I, I, you know, again, you know, this thing has been covered to me long enough. It's been, uh, they've paid the penalty. I know a lot of people are just anti-cheating and all that. And I'm telling you, cheating goes on all the time in sports, whether you know it or not. And, uh, you know, the Hall of Fame it really has nothing to do with baseball. It's a separate identity. Uh, it's it's it does have something to do with baseball. I said that wrong. But it's not officially uh, connected to the MLB. It's voted on by writers and and other people. It's not voted in, on by the MLB itself. So uh, hopefully, in my opinion, it's time. Just let them in. Let people make their own decision. They did do great things for baseball while they played, whether they cheated or not. Uh, they did. They they were the greatest of that era. So, I mean, it's. I think it's about time. And I think I think everybody, most people, I think, hopefully, are starting to see that. And I and uh, uh, we'll see what happens, folks. Thanks for joining us. We close out our first show of this week in sports as we change their format. We'll be back next Sunday, same time, same channel. You guys have a great Sunday. And enjoy whatever sports you can watch on TV. I heard there is some international hopscotch jumping happening right now uh, down in Australia. I'll be tuning in for that. Folks, have a great day. Have a great day, guys.